20 Tasta Teen Podcast. I'm Sam Gonzalez, the Transition Consultant. And I'm Sarah Ford, the Early Childhood Special Education Consultant, or ECSE for short. The Tasta Teen Podcast will highlight innovative practices that Region 20 educators are using to connect with their students virtually during COVID-19. Sam, it's going to be an awesome journey along the path of current practices and instructional continuity. Yes, Sarah, it's going to be a great journey. So join us as we travel through the special education pathway with an early to exit mentality. Listen and follow us on one of the many platforms on which Touch the Teens is broadcast, like Anchor FM, Spotify, Breaker, Podcast, and Google Podcasts. So Sarah, let's get going. Welcome to another episode of the Tots to Teens podcast. We're back from vacation. Yay. How, was, how are you doing, Sam? I'm doing okay today, Sarah. You know, back at it. Um, enjoyed some vacation time with the family, so ready to get back into enroll it. So um, who we, who we have today, Sarah? Oh, we have a really great, awesome guest today. We have a special guest from our very own Region 20. We have Sherry Marsh, who is our special ed um, director for Region 20. So welcome, Sherry. Hey, guys. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. Well, I'm so really are we, excited Sherry. to have you, too. Well, sorry, Sarah. That's okay. That's all right. You know, well, I'm excited to have Sherry on here too. So, and I see the excitement we have. So, um, you know, um, one of the great things uh, working in Region 20, you know, is a place to work. It's fun is because we have great leadership and that leadership is from Sherry. So uh, we want to hear from Sherry today as being the director of uh, special education at Region 20. What's it like, you know, and, and also this uh, great idea of the podcast that's been doing very well that can be available on all the platforms was Sherry's idea. So, you know, she chose the best two talented people to do the podcast. So I wonder how she came up with that idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I sure did. You, that's not even a joke. Uh, you guys are doing an amazing job. Well, I tell you, when COVID hit, you know, we were all on spring break and my spring break ended a more abruptly than everybody else's because um, we got the news from TEA that things were going to probably close down around the state. And so we got to work mid spring break that week. And when we came back, initially, I started having meetings with special education directors. And typically those meetings were us sharing information about things that were coming down the pipe from TEA and some other information that we might need to share from a regional standpoint. And it totally shifted. It shifted to us really not sharing much of anything, but facilitating conversations about how districts were handling this school closure and how they were going to continue to provide faith to students with disabilities, how they were going to meet timelines. And um, you can imagine it was so incredibly challenging. It's challenging for everybody, but with the child with an IEP that you have those additional demands and compliance pieces, it was really challenging. And so um, I just kind of thought, how can we find a bright spot in all of this. And um, I wanted to highlight some of the great things that, that occurred during this significant pivot from being in school with your kids one day to boom, having to be computer screen. Um, and you guys found some great guests, even a student that, that got to be on the receiving end of remote instruction. And so um, it, was, it was an opportunity to showcase. So I thank you guys for doing that. 
Well, we have really enjoyed doing it, and, and you're absolutely right. We're finding all kinds of great teachers and um, students and SLPs and different people that are a part of this. So today we kind of want to focus on, on as, a, as, a, as a special ed director um, for our region, how, what kinds of supports you put in place and things that you did to help you, the directors that you work with pivot and manage their programs. So can you share some tips on, on those things? Well, I have to give a significant shout out to TEA um, at the Texas Education Agency. Um, their team put some really good resources out immediately that provided guidance that we at Region 20 use kind of as a, as a framework to have conversations. So we started having weekly meetings with special education directors and then whoever they wanted to invite and all of my team that are experts in, in their particular fields were on the calls too. So we could kind of talk around all the guidance. Some of the, the largest questions at the beginning was, okay, I've got an R deadline coming up. Do I have to meet that timeline? And the answer to that was always yes. That never changed because it came out of the federal regulations of IDEA B. And so that was still in place. So people kind of really had to figure out how to handle that. And same with evaluations. I have an evaluation deadline that, that comes up. ARDs were easy because you could do them with an ARD committee remotely or over the phone, even a conference call. Evaluations were really, really tricky. And so at that point, we had lots of conversations with each other about how they're handling it. Are they still trying to do face-to-face -face evaluations? Are they letting that timeline lapse and just kind of take a hit? Uh, because that was the safest thing to do for human beings at the time. And so people handled it differently, but we really became a sounding board for all of the directors to kind of say, okay, this is what the guidance says. And there's lots and lots of guidance out there. Um, and so that was, that was great. Well, what has recently happened is now we're prepping for the 2021 school year. And so we got past the emergency remote learning that had to occur and all the compliance pieces that had to occur. But now we're shifting into a brand new school year. And how do we do this very strategically? And so once again, TEA has put out guidance and really it's about how they can provide instruction for students. And there basically are three options that a school can elect to do for 2021 school year. They can opt, the parents can opt in to send their children to school in a traditional format. They also gave school districts an option to provide what they call asynchronous or synchronous instruction. And synchronous instruction is basically, they could be getting remote instruction during real time. So at, instead of being in the classroom, they could be at home. Or there could be asynchronous learning, which is a lot like they would, they would have touch-in points with the child every day, give them instruction, give them the assignments, break, give the child an opportunity to do that learning on their own and then have another touching point throughout the day. So it's not a continual face-to-face -face piece. 
Um, districts did not have to choose both of those. Many districts are leaning toward asynchronous and then the traditional model. Um, and so that's where we're at now. So the problem with special ed is because a lot of students with disabilities have very unique needs and remote learning may have not been a successful learning opportunity for them and they know that from the spring, it's do we send them back to school? Do we ask parents to make that choice? How is that handled? And TEA is in the process of collecting questions across the state and a lot of the Region 20 special ed directors provided some questions they'd like answers to in regard to asynchronous, synchronous, or traditional instruction. And so we're waiting for that Q&A to come out. I think it's gonna be really, really helpful for campus leadership, district leadership, and art committees um, to make decisions around, but it's forthcoming. So we just don't have it yet. As soon as we have it, um, I'm gonna pull all the directors together so we can, again, act as that sounding board for them to facilitate questions and answers in regard to how they're gonna implement these things. Yeah, and I think you bring up a very valid point about, you know, the directors looking to us and being the sounding board. Um, and it's amazing how just like, you know, you did a great job with kind of making that 180. We've been talking with teachers how you have to make a 180 in a matter of weeks to finish off the school year and kind of start the school year back up now. And it's very um, interesting how they did that, you know, and talk about the flexibility of teachers. So we've seen a lot of that. So I think that's awesome. And I do applaud TA also. And one thing I did, Sherry, was I started making my transition meetings on Fridays after your director's meetings to have that information to get the directors to share with my transition folks. And it was just good to them hearing it again um, so they can hear kind of, and then it also helped me have answers to give to my people sometimes with some of the questions. So I think it's awesome. And I do applaud TA in doing that also. Um, but what's it like also um, being, you know, we always talk about teachers and the teachers we've had on that done great things. But what was it like on your end also? Because I know you have two uh, school-age children at home also. What is it, was that like being kind of, you know, still doing Region 20 like we were and also being parent and like in myself, I tell people I was also 508, uh, 508. I was also the, the 504 director here with my son having a 504 plan. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, fortunately, um, I am married to a man who has lots and lots of strengths in science because my daughter, who was a freshman in high school, was taking physics. And um, I will tell you that that was a very humbling experience for me when she came to me for assistance in that class. Um, and I had to pass that baton to my husband, who um, happens to be an engineer and probably had a lot more physics in uh, his learning career than I ever did. And so he, it really was a tag team effort. So the things that I could really help with, I did. The things that he could really help with, he did. But it was 24 seven. So. Um, the way it worked in my house is my daughter would get into her Google Classroom and look at all of her work and anything that she could do independently, she would do during the day when we were both working um, and had busy schedules during the day. And then as soon as that, time, that work time clock shut off about 4.30 or 5, uh, then we would kind of have a family meeting where we'd say, okay, what do you need help with now? And so it made for really long days, but it really wasn't that different than 
kids coming home, bringing their homework home. It just was a little more challenging because we became teacher. Um, now my son, he was a graduating senior this year. So he was class of 2020. Um, he had his baseball season interrupted and that was probably the only thing that he really missed. Uh, luckily he, he had already met all of his graduation requirements. So it was very difficult to keep him on task because he kind of knew he was wise enough. He already had been accepted into the college he was planning to go to and all that was going on. And he knew that he could or could not do his assignment. So as every good mom does, um, I told him a few little fibs about how he wasn't going to be able to graduate if he didn't do all this work, even though that wasn't true. And uh, <laughs> I kept cracking the whip with him, but um, it was, it, it actually worked well. This year, the school that my, my daughter is going back to that my son graduated from, they already had us register for next school year so we could indicate what kind of format we wanted. And when I sat my daughter down and said, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay home and do it remotely or do you want to go back? Um, she openly told me, I feel like it was a better learning setting for me remotely. I understood it better. I was more focused. Um, she's quite a social butterfly and she said, I feel like I'm more easily distracted when my friends are in class with me because she has a tendency to cut up because she's very much like her mother. And um, so it was a challenging decision, but ultimately she really wanted to go back to school for that social aspect. And I think that's so very important for children to grow and learn in that kind of environment. And I, I felt like she should, she should go back too. So we'll see. I came back to work this morning um, with a new email that came out and this may be new learning to you guys because it just dropped. It went into effect July 17th. It was in my inbox this morning that the local health authority for Bear County and the city of San Antonio has put an order in place that no school systems can reopen for on-campus face-to-face instruction until after September 7th. And so um, my school district falls into Bear County. And so um, it looks like they're probably gonna start off remote again, just like they in, ended the school year. So we'll see what happens with that. What's challenging about that for our region is that's only a handful of districts that we support. Um, we have lots and lots of other school districts and charter schools that are outside of Bear County. And they're probably in counties that don't have as many COVID cases. So we're gonna be really challenged to provide supports that are on very different schedules. So that's something for us to think about. Yeah, that is interesting. I did hear that and what's interesting in the district my kids go to is there are three schools that are in Bear County and the other schools are not. And so a lot of the families are talking about how these schools have to follow that guidance. What about the other schools? So the district is actually split with the campuses that fall between the two counties. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I did know that. But I wanted to ask, how was the graduation for your son being a senior? Well, you know, it was supposed to be on June 5th. Then that got postponed. And so he did not actually have a graduation ceremony until June 26th. 
a, a formal one. But what the school district did, and it was really kind of awesome, and it was almost better than a formal ceremony, is they wanted to give their kids the diploma on June 5th. So that was Friday night. They canceled that. So what they did that Saturday morning is they had a vehicle parade, and um, it was really cool. So they they all the cars and um, here's a little shout out to my son because I'm very proud. He was in the top 10% of his class. So the top 10% got to go first in the parade. So we were at the very beginning. And um, anyway, we, we drove around and it's a pretty large campus that contains the middle school is nearby and the football field and the baseball field. So you could, you have these roads behind all of that. So we could travel that. They had all the teachers there and then whatever families wanted to be there, they're kind of cheering them on. We decorated the car with balloons and um, took them and then dropped him in front of the high school. And then we had to go follow back around to pick him up on the back end of the high school. Well, when he, I had no idea what was happening in the high school, but he said when he walked through the high school, they were blaring the fight song. All of the upper class teachers were in there that got to like personally congratulate him and say their farewells. And uh, he came out and he was actually choked up. And when he came out, I had a big confetti cannon that I blew up and uh, he got his diploma and he got back in the car. And so that was a really cool experience. I think that those are some of the bright spots that should districts should consider doing for every class, whether their, their year was interrupted or not, because my son really appreciated it. And then we had a formal social distance on the football field June 26, which was really special too. But I think the parade was his highlight. That's awesome. I saw a lot of stuff on Facebook, but I, you know, I really wanted to know because to hear the personal story and actually, you know, be involved mm -hmm. with that and hear it from you. That's awesome. It's, I'm sure that was a special event to have to look back on. So that was really, really cool. And you know, Sherry, I'm hearing what I, I keep hearing you say there's bright spots. And that's what I think we um, is a really good thing for us all to keep in mind, especially as we move into this new school year, is really looking for that silver lining, you know, and what are the bright spots because we need to hang on to those. So um, you had also mentioned really everything's a tag team effort, and it certainly is, and we're seeing that in our in uh, Region 20 and what we're doing as well. So I would, I'm wondering how, as a tag team, how do you see our region moving forward with our special education uh, in this next school year? Um, yeah, we've already made adjust, adjustments to how we are going to assist because we know school districts, every school district across the state and in Region 20 are gonna have to provide two modes of instruction traditional face-to-face -face, and then some kind of remote, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous. And so we already have teams working on, okay, we know we provide plenty of support for traditional. So let's switch gears and let's really focus on the remote end of it. What does really good asynchronous learning look like? Look like and how can 
samples of that. And if they decide to do synchronous, what does that look like? And so we're already working with the task force on that. Our teams are already adjusting to that. And so I'm very anxious to hear directly from the special ed directors about specificity about what they need, because you guys know our team is great at adapting to whatever the needs are that arise. We love that challenge to jump in and say, oh, we need, we need to switch gears and go this direction because this is the need. And because your early childhood, the only thing early childhood can do, synchronous is not an option because of their attention spans. Mm -hmm. They can a computer for long periods of the day. So asynchronous is the only option out there. So what, what are you thinking about what that's going to look like for three to five-year-olds? You know, we have been, I've been working with some of the districts and really getting an idea statewide, um, meeting with our statewide leadership group on that and what that may look like. And um, really, there's some great things that I've passed along and I will continue to pass on to our districts from the Early Childhood Technical Assistance Center, or ECTA, that has really great resources. And again, utilizing the things that are available from um, TEA, but the ECTA Center, and I will share that with my listserv and with others, has some great videos on their site from um, around the state of different school uh, and the nation of different schools that have done successful um, asynchronous learning with early childhood populations and also in inclusive settings too. So I'm excited to share some of that and, and you know, continue with that. The same with Sam and his transition. Anything with you, Sam, that you'd like to add in about transition? Um, no, I'm just trying to keep up with all the changes. I know we, uh, the state leadership team, um, we're looking for ideas to really get out to the districts, but I know one of the things in the transition world, um, the national resources have really done a good job with, with podcasts and seminars and resources. Um, they actually converted their national, one of their national conferences totally virtual, and it was, uh, it was awesome how they did it. But I mean, you know, the biggest thing on my end with transition that came out with COVID were for the 18 plus students who their entire IEP was employment. And they were employed at Lowe's and all their goals were at Lowe's. Well, now Lowe's is closed. You know, they can't go to work. So again, you know how Sherry talked about in the beginning, how do we provide that FAPE? So that was really getting the ideas to the uh, transition consultant, transition coordinators and supporting those students at work. You know, what can they do to support those IEP goals and prepare them for that? So um, still in the works too with the, with the state network team and getting some information out as, as the school year rolls on. But it was interesting just seeing from that standpoint of, you know, we're talking about the IEPs, but then the questions that we're getting are like, but the entire IEP is them to be at work. The entire IEP is with the job mm -hmm. coach. You know, mm -hmm. they can't be with the job coach now or, or the, the employment, the place of employment shut down with the quarantine. So um, really looking on how to really look at that, you know, like Sherry talked about that FAPE aspect of it and providing that through the IEP to support those students. Because a lot of the students in 18 plus, some of them are actually aging out. So what does that look like? So come up with right. some ideas to help the district with that, you know, so it's really helped me having my, uh, my transition doesn't need meetings um, with them. So that was great. So I like how Sherry flipped the script there on us and made us the stars for a minute. She was the host. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> we all did great. Let me put you on the spot. 
I will tell you that that all of this stuff that Sarah has shared and Sam has shared just now about their programs, it, there's going to be kind of a culmination event in August. It's our Special Education Academy, and it it always is a popular event because it's kind of a good pre-service event before the school year kicks off. Still going to be that, but it's going to be all virtual. And the whole focus of the Special Ed Academy is about how do you prepare and adapt for what we're calling the COVID slide. We know that all kids, not just kids with disabilities, probably had some type of regression because they did not have the continuity in their instruction this spring. And so if there was any type of regression, how do educators address that, especially for a child with a disability? And it's gonna cover the gamut. And so um, I hope that all of our listeners out there check it out. Well, I, I again, I think we're going back to tag team. So um, we are at the, we're gonna wrap our this episode up. It's been fascinating to hear, you know, the, the direction that you're, um, you know, getting for the state and or for the region as well. But we want to thank you for your leadership for Region 20 and for all the special ed directors. Everything, everyone is working so hard and we're really excited to continue to support our districts out there. So um, thanks again for your leadership and your time today, Sherry. And welcome back, Sam. I'm glad that, that you're back from our, both of us are back from summer vacation and we will hit the ground running for the coming year. So Yep, I just want to say thank you again, Sherry, also for the amazing leadership. And also, guys, you can hear this podcast on any of the platforms you prefer to listen to. We're all, all over the place, and, you know, we're becoming big time. So listen to us on the platform and take advantage of the uh, information we're providing and continue to reach out to Region 20 for your needs, and we're here for you guys. So, again, thank you, Sherry, and then we'll see you on the next one, Sarah. Okay. Thank you, listeners. Talk to you soon. Thank you. <laughs>